Mac, welcome back. Episode 34 of Icebreaker. AJ, how are you? Mac, you got me up early for this one. It's the long weekend uh, episode of the Icebreaker show. And before we move on, I just want to say happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there listening. I thought you were talking to me. Well, you <laughs> as yeah, well. Right back at you. But it'll be Valentine's Day uh, when you listen to this or a little bit after. Yeah. So uh, happy Valentine's Day. Big news out of the NFL, and that's J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans have parted. So that's two, you know, maybe two stars they're going to lose here uh, this offseason. We keep, but yeah, and I you know, honestly, I keep forgetting that Deshaun Watson hasn't officially left yeah. yet, but he's like the big name. But yeah, JJ Watt asked for his release. They gave it to him, and uh, which is kind of a classy move because you got to think they could have gotten something in return for JJ Watt instead of just releasing him, right? Yeah. Did you see his video he posted on social media just thanking? But I saw this crazy image on one of the uh, social channels, and it was like, the caption was Houston. We got a problem and it was all the athletes that have left Houston like this year. So James Harden, right. Comes to mind, but there was literally tons of them that have left Houston based teams. Yeah. And I don't know if that has to do with location or if that has to do with management. Uh, I haven't dove into that enough yet, but there's certainly a problem, especially for the Texans, you know, ever since they, ever since Hopkins left in that trade, uh, it's just been a downward trend for them. And they were, they had a pretty good team and then it just kind of fell apart and their quarterback's pretty good. They were making the playoffs every year. Yeah. So uh, something's going on there. I hope that the rebuild goes well for them because they are going to be left with scraps <laughs> once yeah. Watson leaves, right? Yeah, they sure are. And before we move on from that, I just want to say my Manitoba Building Trades hot take is that J.J. Watt will land in a buffalo bills jersey he's gonna Whoa. be he's gonna be part of the bills mafia a perfect fit <laughs> you know i like that hot take he fits in that scheme and uh if you missed it on twitter stefan Diggs from the bills actually reached out and yeah. uh publicly said hey man you know uh, we got a good team over here Let's do it. I, I hope he I hope he lands there. That would be fun. It's okay. not just any project. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. It's about building something great for Manitoba. And that's why you turn to the talent and craftsmanship of Manitoba's expert tradespeople. Manitoba Building Trades is Manitoba's unionized construction industry. Productive labor is our business. With over 10,000 skilled trade professionals, we build what others can only imagine. Visit mbtrades.ca and come build with us. There was also a photoshopped image that I saw on Twitter and I saw it early in the morning. So it really tripped me out. And it was uh, all three Watt brothers standing around because the other two play in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But they had photoshopped the Pittsburgh Jersey onto JJ Watt. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I don't I think Pittsburgh that. can afford the guy though. So no, I don't think so either. No. Um, huge news out of the Western hockey league. Now they have three divisions officially with start dates and that includes the east division home to the winnipeg ice who will be playing in a hub environment or bubble environment in regina but finally we can say we're back hockey's back it's been tough the last couple of weeks because we've been announcing the other divisions which have been able to start we've just been sitting on our hands now so uh finally we get that home team we'll have the home nice advantage i guess but really who does Right. And I think at this point, I know I've talked uh, to a bunch of the players, you know, throughout this whole process of 
the last year and 24 games to them sounds like a, you know, a hundred at this point, right? It's been, it'll be a year and a day uh, on March 12th to the last time the ice played a regular season game, which is crazy. And there's tons of that on the show this week. We bring in Mitch Peacock later and guest this week is Rod Peterson of the Rod Peterson show. Who's a huge advocate to the Western hockey league. And he has some great insights there as well. So lots of WHL talk, but just exciting to finally, you know, have that start date. More than anybody else uh, in, in my circle, anyways, you're in contact with these players. What do you think the biggest worry is for the players heading into the shortened season? I, honestly, I haven't heard of a worry. It's just so they're excited. They're just nice. excited to finally play. You know, they extended off season, right? Continually working, uh, working out. And when ice has been open, getting out there and skating. And like even some of them in the last week, I had conversations and you know, they were hopping out on the outdoor rinks at seven in the morning with full gear on, just trying to stay in it. So I think more than anything, all that work's going to pay off and they're excited to go. In the meantime, with the ice and all the other East Division teams relocating to Regina for a hub this season, I thought it would be fun for our trivia game to focus on NHL teams that have relocated permanently and grill you about it. Okay. Okay. That's like, this is going to be a fun little uh, round of trivia. I like it. I'm going to start with an easy one here off the okay. bat. Which team was purchased and became the Winnipeg Jets? Oh, the Atlanta Thrashers. That is correct. You, you started with a real softball there. Yeah. Real easy one for you. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Which team were the Carolina Hurricanes before relocating? Glad you brought that up because the whale is one of the legends of the NHL. They had some of the coolest jerseys. I'm glad they brought them back as the thirds for Carolina. The Hartford Whalers uh, moved to the Carolina to become the Hurricanes. Correct. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get a little tougher here. Uh Uh-oh. Which team were the Calgary Flames formerly known as? The Calgary Flames, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not 100% sure on this because it was before my time, but that they also came from Atlanta, did they not? The Atlanta Flames? They sure did. Right. Okay, I you. remember three the A logo three. with the little fire coming off the end of it. Yeah, three for three. It's good. Right on. Three for three. K. Okay. Another easy one. We're going to hold the tough one till the end here. Okay. The Quebec Nordiques are now the what? Colorado Avalanche. Wow, there we go. Man, can you just remember back to when they moved? I know that we were really sad when the Nordiques left Canada, uh, but then they showed up in Colorado. They had um, uh, Forsberg, pardon me. They had Sackick, and then they went ahead and got Korea. They got Solani, they got Roy, and they put together a dynasty. Mm-hmm. They were good. So, yeah. They were good. You know what? I have a hard time believing you'd get all these right if it weren't for the reverse retro jerseys. <laughs> I was I was around. I was a really, really big hockey fan when a lot of these moves got made, uh, especially, obviously, the Nordiques and the Whalers moving to Carolina. So, Okay, here's, here's a tough one. I'm, I will be surprised if, if this is answered. I didn't know this. Okay. Which current NHL team was formerly known as the Colorado Rockies before relocating. Oh, no. 
and I can picture the old Colorado Rockies logo, not the baseball logo, but the yeah. team logo. I don't have that answer. Uh, I guess if I had to throw one out there. No, I can't even do anything yeah. logically in my the head. How about Buffalo? There. The Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> Correct. That, was it. that wasn't it, eh? <laughs> it's the New Jersey Devils. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I should have known that because they have a, a bit of a throwback to the Rockies on one of their jerseys, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. wow. That was interesting to me. I did, I did not know that. <clears throat> so that was fun. Four for five for you for back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Looking forward to my turn next week. Yeah. But as mentioned, we got a great show for you this week. Lots of, you know, WHL talk with, uh, you know, three divisions up and running. And first off, we have Rod Peterson of the Rod Peterson Show. Joined for his second tour of duty on the Icebreaker Show, uh, the host of the Rod Peterson Show, Rod Peterson. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, Mac. Thanks for having me, buddy. And, and big news out of the Western Hockey League last week was the East Division uh, set to play on March 12th. But that brings us now to three divisions that are committed to play in the Western Hockey League, a 24-game schedule. Well, we've always we've all been following it very closely, right? <laughs> Maybe you more than anybody else. Everybody wanted to have hockey back. And uh, how long ago was it? Almost two weeks ago that Jeff Merrick, you know, with that infamous tweet about the Regina bubble. To be honest, I'd heard bits and pieces, but nothing really concrete about the Regina bubble for the East Division. And, and from what I'd heard, a lot of people in the Western Hockey League weren't very happy that that news got out. I think a lot of people were trying to find out who tipped off Jeff Merrick. And as I sit here today, <laughs> nobody knows and nobody's saying, because I think they were just afraid that because it hadn't been approved yet because it was a couple of weeks ago. I think people were just afraid that the health people were going to see that the health officials and go, Oh, we didn't approve this and just shut it all down. Right. And uh, obviously I, I read the story in the Winnipeg free press from our, our good friend, Sal, uh, Mr. Sawatsky. And he had even more information and, but John Paddock was pretty tight lipped on, on, on the details. And, and here we are. I mean, as we sit here today, not a lot is known. We saw what was in the news release there, but you mentioned the divisions that are back. We got the East, we got the central, we got the uh, U S division and we, we wait for BC, but Mac, I think things have changed a little bit because in the summer and early fall, the statement from the league was, we're not playing. Well, Ron Robinson said it on my show. We're not playing if we don't have every team able to play. Right. And now we sit here in February hitting the ice in March and they just can't wait. So, I mean, fingers crossed. And here's hoping that those BC division governors and owners can convince Dr. Bonnie Henry that, Hey, they're doing it in these other places. We're going to do the exact same thing. Plus whatever you want us to do. And I think I just get the sense she wants them to play. She just doesn't want to endanger public health and, you saw that release from Ron Robinson on Friday that there will be no threat to the community. And, and that's a big part of it. Um, like you said, and, and the Western Hockey League is doing a good job of, you know, putting in protocols and, and testing that the NHL has used within the Edmonton bubble, the Toronto bubble to keep you know, not only the players and athletes safe, but also, like you said, the surrounding public. Well, <laughs> you and I have been in hockey our whole lives and I don't really have any interest in stepping outside of it. But one thing I've learned in the last 10 months is the general public, the majority aren't necessarily sports fans. So when that news release came out from Ron, I read it with a fine tooth comb and he made it very clear that 
the league is going to pay for a private testing company. This is not going to be on the back of the taxpayer to test these WHL players. All the cost is going to be borne by the owners and the WHL itself. And I just, my, my point is that you can just see people lining up and pounding on the doors of the rink going, how come they're tested and I can't get tested or, you know, it does not even go down the road of vaccines, but it just seemed that, that Ron Robinson was very careful to alert the public that we're not jumping the queue here. We're not asking for preferential treatment. We're doing this all on our own. And I know this having worked with pro leagues and amateur leagues, this is for the players, Mac. This is not a money-making proposition. This is a severe, costly proposition for the Western Hockey League, but they're doing it for the players. And I say bravo, because there's not a lot of leagues that are necessarily doing that in Canada. Yeah, and also, uh, like you said, they're doing it for the players, and a lot of money is going into it, and that's on you know the owners and the league. But it's funny, because I was talking with Mitch Peacock earlier today, and it has been March 12th will be a year and a day since the ice in general have last played a game. And it happened to be in Regina, whether they play on the first date of uh, the opening or opening night of March 12th uh, as slated, but it'll be a year and a day. And for the players, you got to imagine this is just huge for them to finally have something, you know, look forward to get back with their teammates and get playing again. God bless Mitch Peacock that we, he would have that detail because I never even thought about it. But I did talk to your coach, James Patrick, about the fact that you guys were in Regina. And I think it was after the second period that Josh Green's phone went off with a notification that the NBA players had been pulled off the ice. And Jeep was like, oh, man, we're next. Uh, or we're somewhere down the line here. Not, And he was right. He was right. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, the, the Central Division, how long ago was it that they announced they were coming back? And they just put out their schedule on Friday. So I know there's a lot of hoops just for the central division. I don't know when we're going to get the East division schedule in our hands, but you talk about the players. We did a, a virtual showcase for the SJHL a couple of weeks ago, and it was a video game NHL 21, but we interviewed the coaches live, the actual coaches by zoom in between periods. And I talked to the coach and GM of the humble Broncos, Scott Barney. And he said, our players heads aren't in it anymore. You know, they, they, their season actually finished last spring when they got swept in the first round of the playoffs, but they've been sitting on their hands like everybody else. And, right. and Scott, Scott just said, it's very tough keeping our players engaged. That's junior A. And the Western Hockey League players, I haven't talked to the Pats coaches or anything, but I, we're talking about young men here and teenage boys. It's, it's hard to keep them focused. So uh, kudos to them for staying ready. And the fact that they're going to be able to hit the ice. I hope the same for junior A. I don't know what's happening there, but for the Western league, you can imagine uh, it's probably no different in your circles. Ours guys were popping virtual champagne uh, corks. It's like, let's go, man. Cause it's been a long wait. And it's funny. You bring up that story about the NBA in Regina with Josh green. I was sitting, sitting right beside him as I was doing the social media for the ice and both of us, we literally, it was in the first period it happened. We looked down at our phones and we literally showed it to each other at the same time that the NBA had canceled. And we were just sitting there like lucky to be playing right now. And, and we'll see what happens. Like you said, but it was the turn of events and how quick it, it kind of uh, transpired was just, it was crazy. Everything just kind of shut down. And then 
Uh, you know, it's been a year and these, these guys have had an extended off season with stints, you know, some of them playing junior A and trying to stay ready, but you got to think, you know, getting, putting in all that work and workouts all the time and not knowing would have been tough, but now finally knowing that they have a day has got to be, you know, if you put in the work, you're going to be ready. Well, and that's the other thing. Regan Bartell out in Kelowna, the voice of the Rockets wrote a blog the other day, a pretty good one about the, he was basically, it was a message to people that don't think they should be playing hockey. And uh, he, he, he went into great detail on the state of a 18, 19, 20 year old player right now. And I had the coach and GM of the Esteban Bruins, uh, Jason Tatarnik at my studio for my show. And he was just saying his life as a junior hockey player was dictated in his 20 year old year. Was he going to go play pro? Was he going to go to college? What was he going to do? And it all depended on what happened on the ice playing. So imagine being 19 or 20 and not having that opportunity. Like th these are life-changing situations for these players. And now they're going to have the opportunity. Like, honestly, I don't know what we're going to talk about on this podcast, but I'm one guy that popped into my mind was Max Paddock, you know, John's nephew, who's going to be a 20 year old in PA here. Once they hit the ice, Max has a ton to prove, you know, he's a branding kid. And he wants an NHL tryout. He wants an NHL contract. He's just one of hundreds of kids that I'm just so happy for. And just, you know, some teams have been on the ice practicing individually. Like, I don't know what the Manitoba rules are, but in groups of eight, there's been a lot of guys on the ice. Connor Bedard, who we're going to talk about in this interview, he's been practicing with a junior eight team in uh, West Kelowna. But now we're going to actually get to see him in games. And I think that if we track ratings or views, whatever it is now, those Pats games are going to be highly watched. And like you, like the 20 year olds, for sure. Max Paddock, I think about Jackson Leopard on the ice. And I think about last year with Isaac Johnson coming to the ice as a 20 year old and ended up signing an AHL contract at the end of the season with the Manitoba Moose. But then you also think about the developmental years of you know, Connor Bedard, 15 year old, but the 16 year olds coming in the league, you know, Connor geeky and how big it is for them to get their feet wet and play a 24 game schedule. No, oh, I know. <laughs> believe me. I know. And it doesn't matter now, but I, I was at that game with the Pats on the ice and you could tell the ice were just about to make their move. They were moving up the East division standings. That's ancient history here right now. And what I'm excited about is, from what I hear, there's not going to be playoffs. Like this is a 24 game schedule to get the guys on the ice, to get evaluated for whatever age group that they're in. This is not about winning a championship. I don't know if we're going to award a trophy at the end, the Edge and Elf Cup based on winning percentage by division. I don't know. I just know that I'm glad that they're going to be playing and uh, to have that opportunity. I'm just thinking about those ice players. James talked about all the young guys that were coming into your organization and now that we're going to have a chance and that season or their career, I guess, isn't scrubbed, but I go back to the people that aren't hockey fans. Like I, you know, I work in the health and wellness field, another side career, and they're very serious about health. Right. And they're just, the whole thing was, well, at least these young kids didn't die. At least they didn't transmit the, the virus. I'm like, Hey, I get all that. But people are saying like, is Connor Bedard's career in jeopardy? Is he going to go to Europe? And I'm like, no, he's 15. He's the last guy you have to worry about. He's the last guy. He's going to play. It's those older guys that you need to worry about or be concerned for. And uh, thankfully, touch wood, because, Mac, they haven't hit the ice yet, but they're going to. And this is, this is just great for everybody. 
and, and it's been a unique year and it has, it is, it's exciting news. Great for everybody. But with this unique year, it's, it's offered, you know, guys an opportunity to step into the pro ranks and play a little bit more pro games uh, before the, maybe that they would have in the past or in a normal circumstance. And I think about, you know, Peyton Krebs with the Henderson silver Knights right now, who's off to a real hot start there and just other, you know, 18, 19 uh, year olds within the league that are right now, you know, skating at NHL taxi squads are actually playing in the NHL like Dylan Cousins. You know, this, we're all very fresh uh, in this, obviously, but I've been following the career of Peyton Krebs and obviously with the world juniors, there's one guy that, yeah, you feel sorry for all of them, but at least he's been able to play. Right. So listen, as, as much as it's about an identification. And I also want to mention about how my phone has just exploded (laughs) all and with scouts. They're like, can you use your influence to get me into the building? Cause I'm, I'm sick of scouting off a monitor and you just, you can't, you can't scout off a monitor. I'm sick of it. And I'm like, Whoa, not to sound selfish, but I'm just worried about myself in the role that I'm going to have. But you see what I'm saying, right? Everybody has their own perspective as to how this is going to play out for them. And I, the NHL teams have been allowed, I think one scout per team in the building. And I don't know if, if that's going to be allowed in the brand center. My guess is probably not, but I, I'm not sure if I told you in our last interview, my dad, worked for the Dallas stars for 26 years as a scout. So I get their mentality. Believe me, I, I get it. And you can't really scout off a monitor. I mean, any Joe blow can see by watching TV, who's the best player on the ice. (laughs) The guys want to see the other things you don't see. Who's this particular one scout that I talked to. He's like, I want to see who's the first on the ice for warmup. I want to see who's the last off for warmup. I want to see what his habits are in warmup. You know, and I want to see what his demeanor is on the bench, all those things that you can't see on TV. Right. And I guess these are things that, that you need to get sorted out. But what I've been very impressed with, because I've always known we all have our own roles in hockey, but the players have worked out, the trainers and strength coaches have directed that, the coaches have kind of overseen everything, the GMs have dealt with the league and the team presidents on what the protocols are going to be, and when we thought we were going to have fans, where we're going to situate them, and how many are getting into the building. Now we know they're not going to get into the building. And then you've got the commissioner who's been doing the heavy lifting and dealing with the government officials and basically on one hand finding out the private way to pay for testing and get that done and not tick off the public and then be that liaison to the government like ron robison deserves a flipping medal man by the time by the time this is done i mean this is probably taking years off his life i would think yeah no question and to switch directions here a little bit a fun story came out of the western hockey league uh, last week, and that was that the Red Deer Rebels will be living in their home arena at the Centrium during their 24-game season. Well, and isn't it interesting that it's a bubble for them, but they're still going to travel. So they, to date, are the only team that I've heard that are going to do this. And I'd heard it weeks ago because there's a Regina kid that's going to be on the Rebels and he was preparing to go into the bubble and, and live in a suite. And the reaction to that has been unbelievable. Like, people are saying this is barbaric. This is terrible. And I'm like, are you nuts? People would pay to do this. You saw the photo of the suite, man. It looks like a hotel room, you know? And I, I read the article, how they're, they're going to be fed by the arena services, um, catering staff and everything is going to be done safely. I basically lived in the rink for a year after my divorce in the nineties. It was awesome. I had a hot tub, I had workout gear. I had, uh, you know, the best TV, everything. So I'm a little uh, envious of those kids. 
Yeah, and like you said, it, the suites actually looked awesome, but I think about it and it's like, okay, you don't have to wake up too early to get to practice. You just have to walk down the stairs, right? Walk into the room, but all those things. And I guess it's the best way to do it to keep the team safe, but you have to think, um, you know, for these guys to be able to just spend time with each other, they're never going to be bored. No, 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 not at all. And I know it's a touchy subject in terms of the lawsuits that have been brought against the CHL in terms of the labor, right? And the minimum wage and stuff. And I'm like, well, let's think for a second about you almost had a year of hockey potentially too wiped out. You'd rather not have that. Like nobody's bringing up this minimum wage employee thing now, right? These kids, if you don't want to be in the bubble, the red deer bubble, get out because there's a lineup of guys behind you. All I'm saying is the players are 100% all in wanting to do this who wouldn't want to do this if you don't you you don't love hockey it reminds me a little bit i don't know if any hockey schools you went to as a kid but we had them they were like a military dorm it was like 200 guys in bunk beds metal bunk beds it was the time of our life and these guys are going to be doing it for two months straight i think it's going to be great like they don't have to worry about any team bonding uh exercises because that's what it's going to be every day I'm just looking forward to when they post a video of whoever's playing NHL against each other on the Jumbotron from one suite and the suite <laughs> over there, and they're screaming across the arena. I think that'll be exciting. But, uh, Rod, thanks for joining the show and uh, looking forward to the season getting going. You bet, Mac. Can't wait. Go ice. Always a pleasure having Rod on the show. So thanks for joining again. And we're going to move forward here and bring in Mitch Peacock. And big news out of the Western Hockey League last week. Absolutely. The biggest news, the news everybody's been waiting for, for, well, almost a year now, uh, that the East Division uh, will have an opportunity to return to play. Things will get underway on March the 12th in Regina. A hub is being put together there. And I know that the Western Hockey League and Commissioner Ron Robison were quick to pass credit along and show appreciation to the governments of the province of Saskatchewan and Manitoba for the roles they played. And making sure that this was going to not only take place, but of course, first and foremost, be safe for the players, for the staff, and for the community that's hosting. And uh, I think that's what everybody wants, and everybody can, can follow the protocols and look forward to playing hockey again. And interestingly enough, you brought up a good point off air. It's, it'll be a year and a day since the ice have last played a hockey game, and it happened to be in Regina. I mean, it's just hard to imagine. There's no way anybody thought when they got on the bus after a big win in Regina to move into second spot in the East Division against their over their arch rivals, uh, the Brandon Weeklings, that, that that would be the last time they would play hockey for more than a year. But you're exactly right in saying that, that, uh, you know, assuming that the ice were to play on March the 12th, which is the first uh, available day of the schedule that's being played out at Brandt Centre in Regina, uh, that would be a year and a day since that last game against the Regina Pats. It was a big win for the ice. And, uh, I don't know if it means anything. I'm, I'm pretty sure it means nothing, but the ice were undefeated. They were perfect in Regina last year. So maybe it's good that it's their home away from home. And now just thinking back. So we've uh, over the course of the past month or so, we've talked to some players, talked to some coaches and their excitement level around a, you know, proposed 24 game season with no start date yet. You got to imagine they're pretty thrilled now with an actual <laughs> day in mind. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, when you talk to players, uh, and we did a little while back talk with Ben Zelotti and also with Nolan Orzek and, and talk to them about 
you know, how did it feel when you saw that it was 24 games? Because usually you'd play 68 in a season. If you were limited to 24 games most years, you'd be disappointed because something probably went wrong. And they, they said 24 games. That sounds fantastic. Uh, where do we sign up? Let's go. So, yeah, you know that they're charged up. They're, this is what they live for. This is what they've been working for for so long now. And uh, I think the, the challenge for these guys will be to, to feel that they're ready when they get to Regina, when they report on the 27th for twist, uh, testing and to begin a quarantine period. And then, uh, you know, getting some practice sessions in and, and playing hockey at such a high level. It's, uh, it's gone from, you know, hurry up and wait to, holy cow, it's almost here. Yeah, absolutely. And before that news broke last week, we did a little bit of a dive into, you know, players to watch within the East Division. Well, players to watch within the East Division is something that uh, I've been working on. I look forward to sharing with uh, our viewers and listeners and followers uh, coming up in a couple of days and, and dove in a little bit on, of course, uh, players to watch with the Winnipeg Ice, the guys that are coming in to, to make their names. And when you talk about the Winnipeg Ice, you talk about Connor Geeky first and foremost, because uh, he's a Manitoban. He's a first round pick, second overall in the Bantam draft. He's got that size and strength and skill. He's got those great bloodlines and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play because last year he got an introduction and looked good. And James Patrick has talked about uh, Connor being a guy who he sees as a center iceman, where he got a taste last year. He, he put him on the wing to kind of ease him in, but it'll be fun to see what he can do. And then there are names like uh, the offensively talented Skylar Bruce, uh, Chase Berthelet, who is just a, a working man's hockey player who likes to get out there and, and muck it up on the boards. Uh, and on down the list to, to prospects like Owen Boucher, a young goaltender named Daniel Hauser. Uh, there are a lot of good players in the pipeline for the Winnipeg Ice. Fans can be sure of that. And uh, it was neat to talk about them a little bit. And, and yeah, as you said, uh, something coming up in the week about newcomers to the East Division in general. And, uh, well, we, we know the name that tops that list, Connor Bedard. That's, that's right. And then I guess diving in a little bit further, just with the news about the East Division, I guess some returning guys like, you know, Connor McLennan, Carson Lambos, from the Winnipeg Ice specifically, uh, some pretty good players to watch, and I'm probably excited to get going. Well, I mean, you know, we I went through that exercise a little while back to come up with a, kind of a projected best guess of what the Winnipeg Ice lineup would look like, and it doesn't take long to see that it looks pretty darn good. There's a lot of talent there, a lot of experience, too. It's interesting because it's one of those teams that's not an old team by any standards, but it's an experienced team. Uh, guys who've been in the league and played a lot of games and played in difficult situations and helped the ice to get into a playoff position last year. You talk about Connor McLennan, you're talking about now a guy who's, who's got that next step uh, to look forward to being drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers, coming off of an injury, uh, coming off of a season where he'd moved himself into contention, you know, in the top 10, 15 in Western Hockey League scoring uh, and ready to be one of the marquee players in the league. Uh, when you talk about marquee players for the upcoming NHL draft, everybody talking about a player like Carson Lambos and, and what he's done to put himself in the mix to, to be one of the names called in that opening round. So uh, there's no question the ice are going to have a, a quality team and, and filled with some really talented players. Yeah, it'll be exciting to watch uh, WHL live to catch all the action. Um, I'm sure everybody in the East Division, now we got three divisions going in the Western Hockey League, still awaiting approval in BC, but that's uh, three quarters done. Yeah, it's exciting for sure. I know that people are talking about it. Uh, well, they've been talking about it since the league announced it planned to play a 24 game season early in January, but we're getting something to grab onto now with the Alberta teams getting set to kick off a little bit later this month. 
uh, the March 12th date announced for the East Division in that hub in Regina. And then a week following that, games slated to get underway in the U.S. Division with the five teams playing out of Washington State. So uh, uh, moving in the right direction. And I think the priority now is, uh, as it has always been, and let's not forget about that, the health and safety of everybody involved. And I know that the league has worked very hard with the governments and the relevant uh, authorities to, to make sure that there are protocols in place and that, um, you know, there's, there's a method here that will be used that uh, looks after the people that are playing, the people that are coaching, the people that work in support roles. And as I said earlier, really importantly, the communities where these games are going to be taking place, because this isn't just about hockey players or the Western Hockey League. We're all looking forward to a safe return to play wherever that may be. Uh, thanks again for your time, Mitch. Yeah, happy to do it, Mac. Well, that'll just about do it for this week. Make sure to check us out on social media at Icebreaker Show with two W's on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Find us on YouTube if you want to watch a video version of the show. And as always, available wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you enjoy it, pass it along. We would really appreciate that. Hope everybody has a great week and we will talk to you next week. Bye.